All right, now this is one where obviously I'm coming from my context 10 years as a youth pastor, believing that God had done a lot of great things through my work as a youth pastor. But what if church had youth pastors without youth programs? A lot of times I will admit that my job as a youth pastor was not really a pastoral job. It was a programming job. My job was to be a logistically administrate programs, whether that be Sunday worship. You know, I can't tell you how many times I, how much time I spent just doing tech issues or coordinating praise team practices or, um, you know, fixing things or planning retreats and different things like that. And all of those are great things. And I think that that's valuable. But I do question whether or not then we are hiring the wrong people, right? That a lot of times we're hiring people that have divinity degrees, right? Theological degrees. And then we're asking them to be, in the Korean term, kangsanims, right? When it comes to youth ministry, to be administrators. I think one of the reasons I flourished actually as a youth pastor for so long is because I was good at that stuff. Um, and because my film school training taught me how to do a lot of those logistical things. And so my question then is, well, why are we doing it? Why do we have youth programs the way that we have them? Why do we have youth services the way that we have them? Well, I know why we do it in a intergenerational context because our parents spoke Korean and we spoke English. <laughs> so obviously you have a different service because, well, okay, my, I, you have a different service because you don't want to do a two hour long service that requires translation. And that may be a different thing and it's a different story. But when it comes to youth ministry then in a second generation context, in a context in America where you can say, we all speak the same language. Why do we have separate youth programs? We have no so, no sight of youth programs anywhere in the Old or New Testament. We do have God in the Old Testament saying, parents, it is your job to train up and teach your kids about God and about what he has done. We do have in the New Testament, literally the disciples trying to, and I just did this yesterday in Mark um, 8 through 10. We have the disciples trying to keep children away from Jesus because they thought that it was not, they were not the priority. And Jesus literally rebuking his disciples and saying, bring the children closer to me. I think that there is this idea that I have, right? And of what if, you know, your church, because it has kids in its service and they make noises and all kinds of things, that when you hire a youth pastor or a children's pastor, that that pastor's job is not to run programs. That pastor's job isn't really even to mentor youth. To hire a youth pastor whose job it is to train parents on how to disciple their own children. I would love that as a parent. I don't have, or I have that, but I have that because I've reached out for it. You know, that I've reached out to um, pastors in my past who I see how great their families are and ask them for help and ask them for advice. 
what if that was what youth ministry was? What if you were very clear to the members of your church that the youth pastor may reach out to youths, to kids who don't have good parents, and they may reach out and they may try to help facilitate right evangelism by youth to other youth. But really their main job is to minister to you as a parent and to help you to lead your family and to lead your children. It would be very hard sell, I understand that. But again, as a parent, I think it would be really wonderful, right? To say that, hey, there is this pastor whose primary job is to think about parenting in our church's context. For example, in our, ch in our church, right? in a middle-class, Asian-American, second-generation, Los Angeles, commuter, COVID context. If there was a pastor whose job it was to simply think about what does it mean for us to disciple our kids in our context and to teach that, to equip parents with that, to keep them accountable with that, all of those things. And that's what youth ministry, when we say youth ministry, if that's what we rethought it as, oh, it would be fun. And it would be, it would be crazy and it would be blessing. Because I even, I'll give a personal example, right? I really felt like my job as a youth pastor was to facilitate outreach. But my youth ministry of 100, you know, to 130 kids, and I was only three grades at the time, had 30 different schools. And I struggled because there's no way I could reach 30 different schools. There's no way I could be a, a consistent on-presence campus, on-campus on presence at 30 different schools. And I think it's because we had youth ministry in the wrong model, or maybe wrong is a harsh word. We had youth ministry in a different model, in an immigrant model. It would have worked if we were a traditional immigrant church where all the immigrants clustered in one place and therefore all their kids went to the same school. But that transition into a second gen model, a commuter church model, it means we have to rethink something like youth ministry because our kids are not growing up in the same school. My kids right now at the school they're in have zero church friends at that school. Right now they feel very disconnected from quote unquote church friends, especially through COVID. And that is going to keep going if we think about children's ministry and youth ministry in the immigrant model of our parents. To rethink youth ministry, therefore means to rethink the role of youth pastors, to rethink the role of us as parents, to rethink the role of what it means to be involved in church. And I'll just go back to say, what really should have happened is every, and it, it, should have, it should have been organic and maybe just a little bit intentional push from the church organization that parents who are involved in their kids' lives therefore become involved in their kids' school lives, therefore become involved in their kids' friends at school lives. And that becomes the source of evangelism. The source of evangelism, when it comes to on-campus sharing of the gospel, should not be a pastor showed up and gave away pizza and then preached the gospel. Although that has happened, and I'll admit it happened to me to a certain degree. 
But what I hear more often and what I think really is probably the way that it should happen on campus evangelism is if I'm a non-Christian, I'm probably going through a bunch of stuff, right? I mean, we're all going through a bunch of stuff in high school, but if I'm a non-Christian, I'm going through a bunch of stuff and I'm feeling alone and I need an adult to talk to and I don't have one because my parents don't, are not equipped for that or my parents are not there for that or for whatever reason and my teachers are overwhelmed and all this kind of thing. And my friend whose parents are Christians and I know that, my friend and his or her parents invite me to their house for dinner or I go to their house because I'm doing homework and they have dinner together and I sit down with their parents during dinner, a family dinner that is foreign to me, right? Which if you have family dinners regularly, understand that you are probably the exception in America now. And I am trying very hard to maintain those family dinners for me and my family. But one day when my kids bring their friends and we have family dinner, I, under, I, ha, I hope I understand that that is my evangelism to them. And that is how those kids are most likely going to come to know Christ. And so if we're going to get there, we need youth ministry to be changed, right? We need youth, ministry, youth pastors to be helping parents learn how to have family dinner, how to have family worship, how to have family conversations about being evangelical, about what the gospel is, about who Jesus is, about what it means. And ultimately so that when we interact with other people, our kids especially, that's going to be how 